Welcome to Business as a Magical Practice, where your business is the vehicle for your self-integration and soul evolution. My name is Sam Garcia, and I'm the founder of Dirty Alchemy Digital Marketing. I'll be guiding you through how you can use your business as a spiritual practice and what magical businesses are doing to hit their goals and change the world. Together, we'll be relating the mystical to the world of business so that our work can unite spirit and matter, shadow and light, conscious and unconscious. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Business as a Magical Practice. Today we have a special guest, and we're going to be talking about decolonizing marketing, which is oh, such a juicy topic. And so today I have on Letty Sullivan, and we've actually tried to record this episode before, but she she downloaded a next level of information. So a few months later, we're doing an even up-leveled version, and I've just been dying to share her with you. <laughs> so if you do not know her, Letty Sullivan is a priestess of the sacred arts and the creatrix of the goddess ministry, whose mission is to anchor energetic activism centered in love, divine feminine wisdom, metaphysical principles, and cosmic time cycles. Letty is also an inspirational speaker, a professional organizer, life coach, and best-selling author. Letty's 20-plus years of mystical studies, practices, and initiations, as well as 15 years in private practice as a professional organizer and life coach synthesized the birth of an online global community space dedicated to the evolution of consciousness occurring on the planet and to provide an energetic framework for a renaissance of healing and cultural intelligence. Her most recent story appears in the powerful new anthology, Ancient Future Unity, Reclaim Your Roots, Liberate Your Lineage, Live a Legacy of Love, published by Flower of Life Press. Thank you so much for coming on today, Letty. I'm so excited to be here with you again, Sam. So Letty is going to lead us all in um, a prayer meditation. I believe that's the right way, the right title for what what you're going to be doing. So we can really ground into our space together and open up to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. The style of prayer that I do is affirmative prayer. Um, I am a, um, a, a practitioner with the Centers for Spiritual Living. And, um, and so I just want to do an invocation. And I just um, have been playing with this love tuner, which tunes us to um, the 528 Hertz frequency. So I want to invoke that tone to get us in that resonance of love. So I invite you to take a deep breath. (sighs) If you want to close your eyes or open them, it's fine, but just receive this energy and let it tune you into the frequency. So breathe in. how good it is to be still and to drop into this timeless now moment, recognizing that everything that transpired before this moment and everything afterwards is just an illusion for this is the only thing that's happening now. It is real, it is life itself, and it is coursing through each and every one of us. And so we give thanks in this moment to bring our full awareness, our full presence into this moment, giving thanks for the life force energy moving through us, for the clarity and the wisdom that guides us, for the peace 
that settles in every fiber of our being. As we take these deep conscious breaths, we are sending a signal to our body temples that we are safe, that we are here, that we are whole. And so it's from this place of wholeness that I speak this word of blessing on this conversation for everyone who will listen to it, for all of the magical practitioners that are doing business in this world, amplifying and organizing themselves within this understanding that we are crafting a new world, that we are opening and expanding into new levels of being and consciousness, that we can allow ourselves to be carried from good to greater good, from allowing, allowing that which has expired to fall away and to allow a new paradigm, a new culture, a new cultural intelligence to emerge through us because we are the ones that we've been waiting for that we are those ancestors that our descendants will be proud of. And so I celebrate this. I give thanks for it. I release it and I let it be. And so it is. Ashe. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into this. When we were first connected, it was because in my own business, a part of my business is an agency, a marketing agency. And there were a few things popping up. And then also a client having a huge um, explosion of, <laughs> of um, or backlash around certain topics that she was sharing about. And I was so grateful to have to be connected with you from a, a mutual friend and uh, you worked with me and my team around um, decolonizing marketing and de through decolonizing ourselves first. So that, that's some context of where I'm bringing Letty, Letty in. And one of the things that you wrote that I was like, oh, yes, I want her. <laughs> yes, I resonate with her is you called yourself a somatic abolitionist. Can you tell us what that means? Well, absolutely. Now that phrase was coined by one of my mentors, Resma Menicum, who wrote the book, My Grandmother's Hands, which has really be, you know, risen to the top of the stack for anybody who is looking to compassionately deconstruct systemic racism and its impact on us as individuals, but also societies and organizations, especially um, law enforcement right? But for all of us, really, but he did an entire section of that book just for law enforcement um, to create a better understanding, you know, for, for individuals who may, may not have known that. I know I didn't know a lot of the things that he taught in the book. And so um, when we talk about somatic abolitionism, it goes into this knowing that racism and the impacts of racism they're not just hurt feelings. They're not just in our heads. There is a, 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 a nervous system imprint. It calls forward certain unconscious responses by people that are at the effect of it. I don't like to use the word victim, but if you wanna use that, it's like the victim and the perpetrator, but it's mostly the people at the effect and the people that are <laughs> causing certain conditions, right? Um, is the way I like to look at it because, you know, one of the things that I understand is that, you know, we're dealing with a dynamic that 
is inherited in a lot of ways. It's inherited culturally through the collective, but also through our family systems. And so, and, and then our own personal experiences. And so when you really wanna dismantle systems of oppression, you have to do it in your body. It's not just, it's not just an intellectual exercise. You can't actually heal from information. You've gotta go deeper than that. Well, and it's like you, you can't just decolonize a system. You have to actually start with yourself first. And I just love that so much. Um, yeah, we, you know, we are in the system. You know, we are interacting and engaging in the system. And some people are reinforcing the system. So, yeah, it starts with us. Mm -hmm. And can we just just so that everyone can can start with a with a foundation? Can you just explain what colonization or colonization mindset um, versus decolonization actually is and what it looks like in our society right now? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that the pandemic has brought to the forefront was that um, the there is this. Um, collective traumatic experience that's happening for all of us right and mm -hmm. that there's healing that takes place that needs to take place within us in order for us to move forward through this and so when you talk when, when i when i talk about colonization and decolonization it's going back to a root cause of pain and trauma that our ancestors experienced and here's the thing no ancestors are spared. No one currently walking the planet is spared from colonization, except for maybe a few close societies like North Korea. <laughs> you know, like you gotta think there are very few um, countries and on this planet that had not been touched by um, the colonization either by the British Empire, by the Dutch, by the Spanish or Portuguese. Like there was this, this, um, desire by people in that region to conquer everyone around yeah. every indigenous society and culture and tribe and community have been touched in some way now they're in the amazon getting the last few that have been able to somehow remain unscathed all this time now they're being exposed by what's happening in the amazon but you know we're 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 living in the legacy of people that came from foreign lands arrived to some place that they they didn't originate from and say whatever you're doing needs to stop and you need to start doing what we say otherwise we're going to kill you <laughs> is, is another flavor of this not beyond or in addition to conquering saving because other there, there's examples of people going and I, we need to save them because they're so primitive or X, Y, and Z reason. Is that, is that a different flavor of it or is it? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Because that was in a lot of ways, the propaganda. Mm -hmm. That was the, um, the narrative that was crafted to justify the othering that was happening. Because one of the things that is now happening because we live in the information age is that the wisdom of these indigenous cultures are crucial and imperative to our ability to um, stem the, 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 the mass extinction that's happening on the planet and climate change and the, the, the 
<laughs> resources being completely wiped out, right? Mm -hmm. People that lived in these lands understood the land in ways that people coming from elsewhere didn't, mm -hmm. and it wasn't cultivated and the systems were not created to support and sustain that which the land needs, which is our earth. Like we, we are all on this planet. We, we only got one home here, y'all. You can go out to Mars and all these other places as much as you want to. You're only gonna have about a dozen people, <laughs> you know, be able to do that. So, yeah. you know, so yeah, we've got to start to discern truth from falsehood because alternative facts and fake news is not a phenomenon of the 21st century, honey. It is, it is the bedrock of what we're standing on because the history that we call history is really just the story that was written by those who killed enough people that didn't couldn't carry the stories forward so they made new ones yeah oh i mean i'm glad you're bringing up stories because let, let's let's bring the marketing into this a lot a lot of marketing and copywriting is just telling stories or creating stories so i i kind of see it as this opportunity to um change the world by creating new stories. How, how do you see this plan, like marketing and business playing into this? Well, see, that's what's wonderful is that um, this world is created by the word. If you wanna go back and get deeply mystical or even go into different spiritual texts, one of the, one of the versions of, of the creation story said in the beginning was the word right? And the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we have to realize that as humans, we are, our words create. Yeah. Period. And so what is interesting that we're seeing in the marketing context, if we look at the collective culture, is that there's, there's these narratives that are out there that are demonstrably false. Yeah. It's very effective. I'm like, just throw a dart and pick one. <laughs> we don't even have to get into which oh, one. No, no. Give some examples. Give some examples. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's 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 go to um, you know, oh god, politics, but you know, people, <laughs> people saying that the other guy won, they actually mm -hmm. really won, and that they're marketing that there was this widespread fraud in the voting yeah. system. And, it worked just as it was designed. Yeah. <laughs> it may not ever work that well again because that process exposed how well it works, yeah. right? And so in all the ways that people tried to circumvent that with words, they're actually, you know, you didn't have any evidence to back it up, right? There was, you can count as much as you want to there wasn't anything there. However, you can ask a certain subset of people and they're 100% convinced that mm -hmm. that's the way it was. And that's the marketing, right? The marketing can take facts and organize them in a way that they are disconnected from the truth. Mm -hmm. Same facts, different narrative, different context, because it's the context that's decisive the context yeah. is what gives the meaning and the facts you know that's why people say oh well that comment was taken out of context and it means something totally different without the context 
Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think magical marketers need to be, and not just be aware of, because I think we all know this, but then what is the constructive opposite? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the magic is and what the, where the power is, is, okay, we see this being misused and abused out here, but what is the constructive opposite? How can we use words and narrative and understanding to penetrate the falsehoods to bring forward the clarity that's necessary for us to navigate through this existential crisis that is on the planet. <laughs> There's some pretty big stakes. So how can we do that? Um, it, 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 I think that one of the distinctions is to be aware if you're speaking or viewing something from your own wounds, from your own wounded mm-hmm. place. Yeah. In each and every person, because see, there's always, if there's, uh, if there's a, some propaganda or a false narrative, there's always a hook there. And the question is, what are you hooking on to? Oftentimes we can fall for these false narratives because it's hooking into a place within us mm-hmm. that is ripe for exploitation. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're turning a blind eye from ways that you've been injured, harmed or hurt by certain systems let's just say let's speak through the lens of misogyny right if you let's say you grew up and nobody took you seriously (laughs) and yet you've got to communicate uh the power of women but yet you still are wounded in having your power undermined Mm-hmm. Then, the, then the story is going to come out through a lens that's colored by your own perception and your own context. So where's the healing? You know, like f- when you move from your healed place, the whole frequency and vibration of the words that you're articulating come from that healed place and will resonate with the mm-hmm. healing places of others. It doesn't mean yeah. you or bypass right your wounds it's just you're do you're communicating with the knowing that there are so many people that have been harmed by this overall idea that women are less than that they're overly emotional that you can't take them seriously they don't deserve to be in positions of power if you're still buying into that yourself then any messages that you send through will be colored by that does that make sense yeah it does i'm i'm curious of is that if if we're going through a healing of our wounds is is that does that look like getting to almost like a neutral point of of being able to see the clear picture and like where does anger and rage play in this process yeah well the 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 really challenging thing and i think the more spiritual magical mystical aspects is is that you have to hold the the duality you have to hold the opposites together as, as a both and. Because yeah. as long as you're pushing it away, what you're resisting is gonna persist. So you have mm-hmm. to hold the truth. So going back to that idea of misogyny, you know, dominant culture says these things about women to justify mm-hmm. why women shouldn't be in positions of authority and power, why we can't be president and whatever, right? And you have to realize that there are some, you have to say, yes, there are some women who have been socialized Mm 
out of their power and authority, out yeah. of their sovereignty. It doesn't even occur. Like yeah. there are some religious systems, family systems, cultural systems that thoroughly convince women from cradle to the grave that they are unworthy. Yeah. Right. And so there are women that operate out of that. And those who have not been indoctrinated and socialized and programmed to believe that they're less than show and prove the power and the magnificence that is inherent in, you know, the feminine in mm -hmm. her power express so you have to hold both and when you hold both it neutralizes it mm -hmm. so yes the fight the anger and the rage is justified in needing to penetrate to break through that system of oppression mm -hmm. absolutely but it has to be aimed not just widespread use anger <laughs> so one of the one of the things that you mentioned to me when we were working together was that with the anti-racism movement you weren't necessarily a fan of that like that term specifically because it was leaning more towards aggression than compassion and I, I know from reading your uh, my grandmother's hands that like a huge part is is accepting the pain of being the perpetrator um so with an example like that one where there is a lot of anger and and is that but is that moving out of still from a wounded place or is that a completely different topic well see the 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 one of the ways that resma um articulated racism was that it has teeth and claws it it destroys and kills so racism is not some casual thing right? mm. it's it you know while you talk about microaggressions a mm. microaggression timed at the exact wrong time can cause someone to want to self-harm yeah. or you know suicidal ideation like Somebody, you know, you think it's some small dismissal thing, but it can cause incalculable damage, mm -hmm. right? This is what we're talking about. So there's there's no like, oh, just get over it kind mm -hmm. of thing. What there are a lot of it, it, discourse around that. People's like, oh, slavery was 400 years ago. Get over it. No, 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 no. No, that's not it. So when we started having these collective conversations about racism, it was almost like I felt the analogy was like we shook up and it was like, you know, yeah. like champagne bottle, the cork went out and it was just foaming and spraying everywhere. Right. Yeah. Because at the at the the time that the conversation for social justice really exploded was right after the huge emotional uh, uh, upheaval that came from witnessing George Floyd being murdered by a cop in the middle of the street with bystanders recording it begging and pleading for his life and then having to listen to him begging and pleading for his life and have seeing no mercy seeing seeing his humanity taken away sometimes we forget that this is what caused that collective discourse in the first place was 
he was just the last straw. We had already been talking about Ahmaud Arbery. We had already been talking about Sandra Bland. We had already been talking about Breonna Taylor. We had already been talking about Trayvon Martin and all these other, Philando Castile and all these other people. And then George was like the last straw. So there's this emotional upheaval that happens. And people that somehow couldn't see this before saw it in a new way. And then there was like this stew of emotions that were like guilt and compassion and rage and helplessness. And, you know, it was just like coming from folks of all stripes, you know, black folks, white folks, all the folks. <laughs> Right. And so, and then the whole thing kind of stalled out and that this new narrative was marketed. But in the meantime, folks that had been at the effect of racism for their entire lives, that had witnessed the harm done to their ancestors and their beloveds and firsthand, you know, there was, there was, I think, a collective resentment that I witnessed in the social justice movement. There was a, a, a dialogue of where have you been all this time? What took you so long? You know, kind of thing. And people that were extending a hand in brotherhood or sisterhood and wanting to connect. In some ways I witnessed people just being slapped away. Like, no, I don't want any white people commenting in my group you know, stuff like that. And those were the kind of things that alienated people who otherwise would have been leaning in to be guided as to how to unravel and undo and dismantle the systems that they had been socialized in. There was a lack of understanding that if you're told something from the time you're a child and it's never been challenged, that there's an adjustment that needs to take place. And I was really disappointed in seeing that there was a lack of understanding and a lack of compassion from, from some in the social justice community for people who were freshly woke, waking up trying to figure out what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people got disenchanted and turned away and outright harmed because people that were tasked with teaching and guiding we're teaching from a wounded place. It's like very much like divine mother energy that it sounds like really needs to come in for, for that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the mother, people got mother issues. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of mommy issues going on. Oh, I mean, when, you, when we were talking about going back to your body, that's another another way, <laughs> another thing to heal within yourself first, huh? Yeah, yeah, well, we do though, and and but but the other part of the the pandemic that we have to acknowledge is that it did prompt um, a lot of self reflection that we are seeing now this year at this point of the year where people are resigning from their jobs in mass. I mean, my husband's retiring from his work. It's, it's not the same as it was yeah. before the pandemic. And I, I, I know, I don't know, at least half of the people I know 
are changing positions because they've had time to think about it. They had some mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. to say, this, this is not a match. This is not, this is not who I am and what I want to represent. This is not an environment I want to be in. This is not work that I want to be doing. Hmm. What fun times we're in. <laughs> Very interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, since most of the people listening to this podcast are business owners or entrepreneurs, what do you feel like is the responsibility or role of business owners to actually be change makers? Well, you know, the, the unprecedented opportunity that we have now is that we have to pivot and rebuild anyway, that there are so many new challenges um, in, on the horizon that whatever we've been educated to do, trained to do, it was for a world that no longer really exists. You know, if you've been out of college for even five years or 10 years or more, you were educated for a society in a world that no longer exists now. We don't, we don't know what the world's gonna look like five years from now. Not with yeah. artificial intelligence, not with the way our technology, not with the way our connectivity is now. We, it, it, you know, we didn't know back then. So for the businesses that have been able to survive these last 18 months of the pandemic so far, you've survived and thrived because of your flexibility, because mm -hmm. of your ingenuity, because of your determination, because of your ability to pivot. And I would say that that's not just gonna be a phenomenon because of COVID. It's going to be the way of the world going forward because we are increasingly introducing new technologies and new frameworks for business, for, for communicating and connecting with each other that haven't existed before. So in a lot of ways to thrive in this environment, you have to innovate, but mm -hmm. innovation is very confronting to us. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is telling people, let go, let go of your cultural conditioning, let go of, you know, and, and really, honestly, when you let these things go, the things that are really true will stay put, right? That which is real and true and 100% compatible with who you are and where you're going ain't going nowhere. Mm. However, there are parts and pieces of the ways that we've been educated to view ourselves, to view the world and to view others that have to go in order for anything new to be able to thrive in this current environment. Yeah, it, it's, I've always thought that it, it's such a gift to be uh, an entrepreneur and a, or a business owner because you're pretty much training your brain to look for opportunities and look for innovation. And especially when you're in the online space, being flexible is incredibly important because things change like day by day. <laughs> so I, and we, there's, there's such a, um, a thin, a thin membrane between yourself and your audience, quote unquote audience, or the collective that we have such an opportunity to be able to be more like an architect or 
uh, of society and an architect of like the future because they aren't these old systems that we're being dragged behind it's just like we're we're in our own little spacecraft or whatever <laughs> yeah it's like we're we're curating community mm -hmm. environments and conversations and those that are in resonance hook together like legos you know but but that you're creating this 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 space right and that we're all moving vir virtually from space to space like mm -hmm. I, I like i honestly i i move into um goddess priestess space and we're all talking about the moon and the eclipses and all that stuff and then move over here to the people talking about the food and supplements and you know in this whole world of nutrition and wellness and well-being and then you move over here and it's music and movement and dance and all the you know practice like and <laughs> and it's almost like we get to curate and create our own little villages that mm -hmm. nourish us and feed our souls and our spirits that have people that are specializing in everything that we need to know to, to, to live our best lives, right? And that's the power of what we live in, what we're living in now, because the systems of oppression that have these these cultural institutions that we see crumbling, talk about mm -hmm. education, you're talking about politics, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, these, these, these different things that, are, that define our societies, no matter where you are on the planet, right? There's government, there's, there's uh, entertainment, there's education, there's, you know, uh, health, you know, all these different things, you know, our medical institutions and what they're telling us we must do <laughs> and how they're wielding that authority. Now we can educate ourselves independent of these organizations. So whereas in the past, our grandparents, our parents, our grandparents and great grandparents would take the information at face value. They read the newspaper and the newspaper would say X happened and it happened. <laughs> but nowadays we've got more information. We're not right. just looking from one source. And that creates this complexity that we have we have to deal with it now mm -hmm. because we are being bombarded with this information. But what's really, really important is that we have to then know ourselves and be grounded in the truth of our being and that goes for whether you're first of all we're all consumers even if we're entrepreneurs yeah so even as an entrepreneur you have a responsibility to be really clear about what it is that you're offering so that people that are receiving what you have to offer can decide where it fits in that infinite scheme of complexity that we're all having to, to swim in. <laughs> mm, that's so good. I mean, okay, so on, on that note, what would you say is a like a really great first step or first few steps that people can take in, in decolonizing their marketing or decolonizing themselves so that they can make their business more aligned with where they want to be and who they want to be um well you know one of the one of the tenets of marketing that i know uh, that i've been taught 
as an entrepreneur is know your audience. Mm -hmm. And within that paradigm of knowing your audience, there's a negative narrative out there that talks about identity politics, blah, 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 right? But ultimately, knowing your audience is about this cultural intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like you want to know who, what, you know, what people want and need and desire. What are their challenges and struggles? How are they being impacted by this overall conversation? for systemic oppression, right? How is it affecting them? As I've been coaching people over the last, you know, year and a half around decolonizing, one of the things that was really clear that came forward through every person, no matter what background they came from, is that colonization impacted people differently depending on where you were from. For some people, it wasn't about skin color. Mm -hmm. For some people, it was, class issues for some people mm-hmm. it was gender issues right so when you're when you're talking to a particular audience what not don't just look at okay what do they want need and desire also where are those pain points where where are the places where they might have been particularly impacted by systemic oppression it's not hard to find it's not <laughs> Right. So if you just do it through the lens of awareness and intelligence of around how certain cultures were impacted by systemic oppression, just that little bit of understanding can really, really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Right. Now there's a, a great conversation going on about neurodiversity, not just people on the autism spectrum, but also people with ADHD and different things that really, and and now mental illness and depression and how those things impact. Having these sensitivities in within your, the language that you're using puts you head and shoulders above people that that won't go there, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're really looking to really stand out ahead into standing for a society where we are no longer abusing and othering Mm -hmm. and bypassing each other's trauma. Mm -hmm. You can actually just give a fuck. (laughs) Head and shoulders above many, many others. Like any percentage I make would be made up, but really. One of the, when we're talking about like foundational concepts in marketing, another one that just from what you're talking about was, is it, it kind of encourages othering, right? It's like, it's, this is who we are. Like this, these are my people and our people stand for these and we're against those that other group over there. So it's like creating this cult unity, unified culture around your brand. Like that's a really common marketing tactic. And it, would you say that that is um, a, of disservice to culture or society by doing that? Well, it's perpetuating the status quo and we've seen where that's gotten us. Yeah. And honestly, comparison and competition, especially among women, um, is so incredibly toxic. Mm-hmm. 
because we've yeah. got to realize that everything ain't for everybody anyway, right? So when you're just clear about what it is that you have, you don't really have to go and diss and put down anybody else. Just be full in your authenticity of what you have to offer. It feels better. The thing yeah. is, you want the people that are feeling you, right? When you're talking about your brand and your tribe or whatever, you just want them feeling you completely. Yeah. That your authenticity is your greatest currency in this marketplace because people are so fatigued with being talked at. Yeah. Right. And there's this interesting thing happening. If you're, if you're really watching close, people don't want the super polished, you know, kind of airbrushed, fake, phony, whatever, whatever anymore. That's an old dying corporate mentality. You have to start going through and reviewing what you've been taught at university level to determine whether or not it's serving a dying world or whether you can innovate on and stand on the shoulders of that to reach for a higher paradigm of consciousness and evolution so we can catch up with the technology because we are still in a primitive mind with these advanced tools that ideas that should be kept quiet are being blown out on a megaphone and mm -hmm. if most the small destructive ideas can get a huge platform then people who really legitimately have something powerful and positive to say need to learn how to make sure that that's getting out there as well. Mm. And it, it, it's really encouraging going back to innovation is it's really encouraging not only innovative thoughts, but really creating something amazing for the world because the easy marketing is doing fear-based marketing. The easy marketing is the doing the us versus them. Like, like I'll just sell my thing by bashing someone else. And then, so people will buy mine. Instead, if you're really like focusing your energy on creating something that is incredible and just sharing about that, like that's what it will actually change the world. <laughs> exactly, because think about it. If you're meeting people and stoking people's fears, you got to deal with them clients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those customers. Okay. Yeah. So what kind of people do you want to draw in? Where is the resonance? Where's the frequency? So like I said, if you're tapping into a fear-based paradigm, you're going to get fear-based people. But if you're meeting people at a higher octave, see, this is what's so cynical about the algorithms that are running companies like Facebook or whatever. They know that the lowest common denominator, the triggering people's outrage, gets people more engaged. So now people like me don't want to be on there because I don't want to be around a bunch of angry people and, yeah. and feel that energy. So I go and seek and find a resonance that is more compatible with where I'm at. If you wanna reach me and I'm a good loyal customer, I'm somebody who, if, if you provide value in my life, I won't keep you, <laughs> right? Those are the people you wanna call in, right? Ultimately, unless you just like drama. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. It is so true. Like if, if you're doing the us versus them and you're getting people who feel us versus them and then you say something wrong, they're going to turn against you. <laughs> about cancel look we've seen up close what it's like when somebody gets canceled yeah. right to, to have your own people that were paying you money start attacking you because you hit a pain point you know and and not understanding you know mm -hmm. that that what you're saying is painful and why what you're saying is painful nobody wants to see that i'm so sick of seeing people get canceled um and we still need that mechanism because sometimes there's no other way to articulate that something is unacceptable on a mass level than to have a mass of people say this is not acceptable. Yeah. So on the one hand, cancel culture is has its usefulness. But on the other hand, it's calling for another level of cultural intelligence for all of us. It seems that, okay, if, if if we're going to be a leader in this space of this like higher consciousness decolonized marketing whatever it is um you have to do the work in your own body but it also seems like you you need to teach other your audience or your your people to do the work or point them in the right direction to do the work as well yeah i mean i i tend to personally be the type to lead by example mm. And that if I'm living it and it resonates with you and you're here with me, then, you know, we can lean in and have this conversation. We can have an elevated discussion, but mm -hmm. it's in the old mindset that says, don't do as I do, do what I say. <laughs> and that does, that's not going to fly. Right. And there's something like I, you know, I'm 44 years old, so I'm in Gen X, right? And yet there's two other generations supposedly behind me, right? Using that language. And I, one of the things I noticed is these young folks ain't trying to hear none of that old bullshit. <laughs> like they don't want to hear the old paradigm of this is what you need to be doing if your life isn't bearing it out. Like, how is that working for you? Because ultimately, like I said, in this information age with everybody, you will get found out sooner or later if you're faking. You, you can't fake it till you make it because people are tuning in and they'll, you know, the, 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 the consciousness that, that looks at an image and decides to swipe or decides to turn on the sound or turn off the sound, it is a very primitive thing. Mm it's coming from a more deeper, non-physical, existential, non-linear thinking aspect. And so we are wired to receive the authenticity and we are also averse to falsehoods, instinct. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what kind of illusion or fake false facade you try to put up. People are not going to engage with you, you know, if you're not authentic, you'll get found out sooner or later. So that's where it comes back to you as the, as the owner, you have to be in your authenticity because you're radiating a frequency and you're either, you know, you want to be magnetic. You want to draw people in, otherwise you're going to repel. Mm. Oh, so good. Man, thanks so much, Letty. This was 
amazing. I'm just blown away every time I talk to you of just how much wisdom you carry and how can people work with you, go deeper with you, find you on the internet, all the things. All right. Well, I, um, you can find me online at goddess ministry on, um, Instagram is, is one of the main channels, um, that I, that I speak through. Um, I also have my own online space, um, at goddess ministry, um, the goddess ministry of mighty networks, um, because my Facebook group, um, nobody would ever get my messages because of Facebook's algorithm. <laughs> when I started talking about social justice and things like wow. that, I got shadow banned. And um, so I created my own space in Mighty Networks. And so those links are in my bio. I do morning meditation every day, Monday through Friday um, from 7 to 7.30 Central Standard Time because uh, I'm in Chicago. Um, I also host uh, new and full moon gatherings uh, in, my, in my Mighty Networks community. And I can coach you, we coach. Um, so my coaching agreements for a small group, like what I did with Sam and her team is 28 days, um, with a small group or 40 days or 90 days for solo coaching and core curriculum and then, um, customized solutions, depending on what it is that you need. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of it and deconstruct it. Um, so I, I do decolonization coaching, transitional coaching, uh, goddess coaching, so whatever you need. Oh, so beautiful. Oh, so do you have any final words of wisdom for people listening? Um, you know what? Trust your gut. I think it's time for us to really kind of step out of these carefully curated identities that were deemed acceptable for a dying world. I, you know, I think you just gotta be real, be true. I know I am trying my best to lay down that polished, professional, nice, you know, <laughs> uh, persona. Not that I want to be rude and nasty and bitchy, but you know, I I do curse though. I I I would always feel like apologetic when an f bomb would slip out, but I'm like, you know, that's just kind of me. Anybody that knows me and is around me knows that, you know, I just say. I, I can say $10 words and two cent words. <laughs> the words. <laughs> but just, um, this is what we, we're craving. We're craving for realness in this artificial world. Just be real. Oh, okay, everyone hear that? Go do it. <laughs> okay, bye everyone. See you next week. Aloha.